So a draining session is basically when you're draining a pay pig's wallet. So say I'm on Skype with a pay pig and he's like on his knees worshiping me. And every time he messes up or doesn't say yes, mistress, he has to send me $50, whether it's through Cash App, OnlyFans, tips or tribute. It's a big amount of money in a small amount of time. So drains can last from five to 20 minutes. And every time you feel like they do something wrong or just because I can be like, why are you looking at me? Send me $50 and then just send and send and send. Welcome back to Spank You Next, a fetish and BDSM podcast for kinksters and the king curious. We are your hosts, Anna and Gregor, the people behind fetish.com, and we're very excited to introduce the topic of financial domination for episode six. Oh yeah, it's a it's an interesting but also a bit of a controversial topic. I think a lot of people have heard about it because I've seen articles all over the internet and I've listened to podcasts about financial domination. So I think people are very keen to hear why people relinquish their hard-earned cash to women on the internet. So maybe let's kind of quickly explain what it is. For sure. Financial domination is a sub-dom dynamic where the dom financially controls the wallet of the pay pig or the fin sub. Exactly. This can be kind of, this can have different forms. So basically, maybe you can give a tribute to your financial dom and just kind of for them to speak with you, you send them some money, you can buy them gifts, there's there are also so-called draining sessions, and there's also complete control of your finances, which is a very extreme form of financial domination. Like with all BDSM, there's a grey area, there's, there's one end of the scale and there's another end of the scale, and I guess the extreme end gets more publicity. Yeah. But it's a lot about control, humiliation, degradation. And we're going to be talking to Mistress Marley, an absolute goddess superstar of financial domination, killing the internet right now. She is. We actually found her on the New York Times where we read an article about her. And she's really hustling, kind of. It takes a lot of work to be that present in the world of financial domination. And Mistress Marley understands that there are a lot of fin-doms out there exploiting people and doing it wrong because there are ethical questions around financial domination, which we will explore in this podcast. And just a short disclaimer that while we recognize it as a totally legitimate kink, we cannot allow the advertisement of financial domination on fetish.com due to legal reasons relating to the Sesta Foster Bill, which we understand has been really harmful to sex workers in the U.S., even though financial domination is thriving in the digital age. I really think it is, because when you think of it, in the past, dom sub sessions were mainly physical, that you would really kind of go to a dungeon or have a private session with your dominant. And now this is changing, mainly because in the pandemic, we couldn't have so much physical contact, but also because something like financial domination is mainly a psychological kink. 98% of Mistress Marley's clientele are white men. And she has said in the past that she uses financial domination as reparations for the black community. We are really here for that. Kind of, I love that she says that. It's great to see how Mistress Marley is giving back to the black community because when she started out in BDSM, there were a lot of walls she couldn't break through because our community can be very white and the older generations look down on financial domination a lot of the time. 
Yeah, she said kind of it was really hard for her to start out also because in the end what she does is sex work and this is a really hard field of work and people are really kind of hustling and trying to do the best they can. So imagine kind of if you've made it. Some people are kind of really have this, I don't know, egocentric idea that they don't want to be threatened by anybody else. And they don't want to else. because exactly. it's like in- yeah. impinging on the money that you could earn. Exactly. And that is why why it's so great to hear from Mistress Marley that she's she's doing all the opposite. She really wants to help young black women starting out in the field of financial domination or just being a dominatrix. Right. And we'll hear Mistress Marley explain more about that in the episode. I'm actually really, really glad that we're doing this episode because I think there's so many stereotypes about financial dominations and I think we can really clarify what it means for people. Because really, when you think about it, It's usually powerful men that have a lot of money that come to Mistress Marley. And in this way, the money is the chains. And it may be online and it may be psychological, but they are being cuffed, restrained, gagged by relinquishing their cash. Tweet, tweet. That's a tweetable moment. <laughs> and yeah. is that not the ultimate fetish it for is. men living within capitalism? Also, I think... Oh my God, that's so true. Also, I think... Really, kink is always more psychological than we think. Even if it's really physical, the psychological element to it is is crucial. Absolutely. And it's all about power exchange. And these men have power through their money. And by giving it up, that's the kink. That's the kink. So let's hear about it from Mistress Marley. Let's bring her in here. Okay, Mistress Marley, welcome to Spank You Next, a fetish and BDSM podcast. We're super hyped to have you here, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We are so excited. <laughs> We've been following your work for a while. Um, so firstly, just tell us about yourself and how you became a goddess, a dom, and finally a financial dominant. So my name is Mistress Marley. I am based in Brooklyn, New York. I'm originally from North Carolina. Um, I'm a financial dominatrix, which financial domination is the art of basically controlling someone's wallet and their finances and their money, where they just send you money for existing. Um, I'll say I've always been a goddess since birth, you know, just of came course. out of goddess. Oh, we see this. <laughs> and um, I became a dominatrix, I want to say around three and a half years ago. So my first introduction to this world was financial domination. And then I eventually learned more about BDSM and just excelled from there. Okay, so you kind of found BDSM via financial domination, not the other way around. Yes. Okay, cool. So I was just wondering, because this is 2019, was it, when you got into financial domination? Yes. Around then? So it's like pre-pandemic, and it seems like you're really thriving in the pandemic when others are not. So (laughs) (laughs) is it an online dynamic only, or are you doing sessions in person, and do you have subs that you meet up with? So financial domination in itself is, I want to say, 95% majority online, only because it's a lot of virtual interaction, a lot of virtual wallet draining and stuff like that. Um, There's times where I might see the client on Skype and things of that nature. And then within regular femdom, which is F-E-M-D-O-M, female-led domination, I do take sessions in person at dungeons. So I do a lot of physical things such as spanking and whipping and foot worship and tying up and things of that nature all the things that you see in social media and in movies and things like that Mr. Smiley I I want to talk to you about something because you're literally internet famous I mean I've seen your work on uh, the New York Times uh, The Sun uh, you're Vice. all over Twitter Vice there's a video documentary of 
about you. And I think all of that started in November 2019, when there was yes. a viral video. Maybe you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so that was at my HBCU in uh, North Carolina. So HBCU is a historically Black college or university. And I was going to homecoming. This was after I graduated. I graduated in 2017. So I was like, I'll go back with my friends. We'll go have a good time. So it wasn't originally planned for me to walk us up on a leash. It was just planned for me to go and have fun with my friends. But of course, at that time, I'm just starting out. So when you're just starting out, you're thinking of all the different ways you can make money. So I said, I'm traveling to North Carolina. Let me put an ad out on FetLife saying that I want to do public humiliation and just see who bites. And then I had this older white man reply. And he was so excited that the day of the video, the day of the actual event, he wasn't supposed to meet me on campus till like 3 p.m. And he was out there since like 10 a.m. waiting for me. Like he was so he was excited. He was like so excited. Yeah, he was so excited. So my friends are like, you're really going to do this? Because like no one in North Carolina, no one in my past school knows anything about that life of me. So this is like my first public coming out to so many people that I went to school with and whatever. So I was very nervous, but my friends, they're like, we're fine. We'll be your security. Make sure nobody tries to do anything. I'm like, I don't need all that, but that's cute. Thank you. <laughs> so I get there and I'm, I'm in session with the guy. So I go straight into Dom mode of like, you know, this is what's going to happen. What are your hard limits? What are you not comfortable with? Like, I still went into that mode. And one of the questions I get is, you know, like, why isn't the leash on his neck? Why is it around his wrist? And I'm like, well, his neck was too fat to go around his neck. Oh. So, so we had to put it around his wrist. Okay, um, you got to make me, you got to make do with what you got. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to make this happen. And so I start walking him on the leash. And for some reason, like everything around me was kind of like, I was having tunnel vision. I didn't really see anyone around me. I didn't hear anything. It was like, I was simply in session. And the video that actually went viral, I didn't know was being taken from that angle. So what you see me posing for is my best friend's phone. So I knew he was taking a picture of me. But we we like we did the session. I ended it. Everything was fine. I remember we just ended up having a good time later, getting drunk, going back to our Airbnb. I passed out, woke up the next morning, and like <laughs> my followers on Twitter went from like four hundred to thirteen thousand. I'm like, what is what? happening? That's, That's so like, crazy. Yeah, I'm like, what just happened? And so I go look and I see the girl she puts, whoever recorded the video was like, she brought her sugar daddy to homecoming. So what went viral was me retweeting it. And I was like, that's not my sugar daddy. He pays me to control him. And then that's what went crazy. I, and from I love this phrase. It's really <laughs> so on point. Oh. And then from there, everything else is history. So, yeah. Why do you think the reception was so monumental to that video? I think the reason why I was so monumental is because you see this young black woman walking an older white man on a leash at an all black school. So that in itself had people like, I've never seen that before, you know? So especially in my community, the black community, kink is really taken off now. But I want to say a couple years ago, it was still something that was like, we don't discuss it. We don't talk about it. If you see it, people call you weird. I mean, I got a lot of comments being called weird, but I noticed it was mostly from men. The women were like loving it. The women were like, how do I get into this? How do I sign up? Like, you know, so... Um, I think that's just why it was just something that really wasn't seen that commonly. Yeah, this is actually something I so love about you because you're so powerful in your presence. And also at the same time, you're so public with your kink. And this is so difficult for a lot of people because you're really there with people and others just can't do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It took me a while to actually get to that point because it was just like, I've always been eccentric and open and, and free spirited and stuff like that. But it actually took me a while to come out to my parents about what mm. I was doing. So, yeah. How did that go down? 
So I think it just became a situation where like when I first was living in New York, I was struggling. I was always asking my parents if they could send me money for groceries and things of that nature. And then I just stopped asking and just started like being able to get stuff and buy stuff and like go on trips. My mom is like, how are you doing this? Like, how are you doing all these things? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to tell you about what I do, but I just really want you to understand it and understand that it's nothing like dangerous. So I had to explain to my parents that basically I control men. They send me money for existing, things of that nature. And they were just accepting of it. And it was like, okay, that was too easy. Like, what's the catch? But no, they were just very accepting. And like, I look at my privilege of that because a lot of people in this industry and sex work in general cannot come out to anybody. They will literally be disowned, get kicked out, like can lose jobs. So it was, it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's something that really isolates people and it's a shame. That's why the internet is also so important. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's go back a bit to Findom Basics. So okay. you started out on Twitter, I, yes. I imagine. So kind of maybe just explain to our audience how you started out and how you kind of dominate people above all men virtually. So basically, when I was looking up financial domination, because I first looked it up on Google and when I came across it, It took me to Twitter. So I learned that Twitter was the big world where everyone was doing Fendom. So even if you just go on Twitter and type in hashtag Fendom, you'll see the whole culture of how people are doing it, the content they're posting, the things they're saying, the different groups they're in, the different engagement groups and things of that nature. So when I first got on, I was like, okay, I'll just make the profile. Even on my regular vanilla profile, I was already posting like selfies that were like sexy and cute. I was like, I can do that on this profile. That's not that bad. So I put that up and then... I put something, there's a thing that's very common in Fendom called reimbursement. So what we do is say if I go out to eat and I spend $50, I'll post the receipt on Twitter and be like, I just went and spent $50 on dinner, reimburse me. So I was like, let me try this one first. So I think I bought like pizza and I was like, reimburse me. And I was, at first I was like, there's no way, no one's going to send me any money. Like, I'll just do it. I have nothing to lose. And then my cash app went off and it was money and it said reimbursement. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, this is real. I was ready to quit my job right then and there. I'm like, I'm done with this job. <laughs> but so when I saw that, I was like, okay, so now I can get deeper into it. And that's when you start posting pictures and you call lo- them losers and stuff. So the biggest thing about financial domination is the humiliation. They like to be called yeah. losers. Right. They like to be called worthless. They like to be told that their money is all your money. They're worthless unless they're sending you money and things of that nature. So that's pretty much how I started with them then. And then the clients just started coming in. So Twitter, you know, it's like a ripple effect. You put one thing out, somebody retweets it, then their people see it, then their people see it. So it's one of those things where, like, I always tell people that want to be successful in financial domination that visibility is everything in this industry. Because if you're not visible, nobody's going to know to send to you. So once that started happening, I started getting the clients and people started wanting to send me money and have online Skype sessions and stuff like that. So it kind of just, it's one of those things where you don't come into it with a plan But it just takes you along the way and you just follow it to the best of your ability and you just see where it goes. So I never go on Twitter and say, this is my set plan today. No, I'll tweet something and then whatever happens from there happens. Right. And I I have a question. because Do you work exclusively with men and also white men? So majority of my clients are white men. So I want to say when it comes to financial domination online, I rarely have women clients. I probably have one. Right. Now, when it comes to physical domination in person, I've had a lot of women clients. So you'll have women that more so want the physical part. They don't really want to send the money online and never see you. So they want to be whipped and tied up and spanked and stuff like that. But 99% of my clients are white men. 
Why do you think it is that these white men are really willing and they want to relinquish their cash to a, you know, black dominatrix? I think the the transparency and truth in it, and, you know, a lot of people don't want to admit this, but I think it's just, it's the racial aspect. It's like, yeah, they probably want to serve me because they think I'm attractive or whatever, but the racial aspect definitely comes into play. They're looking at it as like, not only am I giving my money away to a woman I will never meet, it's a black woman. And, you know, that could be something inside Mm -hmm. them where maybe in their own lives, they have to hide from people they personally know that they like black women. You know, that happens a lot within other races. You'll even have them say stuff like, black women are so powerful and I just want to serve you because you're black and things of that nature. And then there's also the bad side of like, oh, black women are angry. So I want you to serve. I want to serve you. And it's just like, you know, that's a stereotype. Can I just ask you, do you Mm -hmm. sometimes feel fetishized? I mean, in the end, you know, they submit to you. You are the powerful dominatrix. But I think you being black, as you just said, there might be a big point there. And do you sometimes feel fetishized because of the color of your skin? Yes, there are some situations where I do. And you can pretty much tell with subs that are looking at your race as a fetish because the type of language they use. So like any other sub would hit me up and be like, hi, I love to serve black doms. Can I serve you? Okay, that's fine. But then you'll have the ones that's like, I can't wait to serve an ebony mistress and worship her black feet and her black skin. Ooh. It's just like going on and yeah. on and on and on. And it's like, I, I just block them. It's like, you're obviously looking at me as a fetish. Like, okay, we can acknowledge I'm black without just doing all of this extra stuff, you know? So yeah, sometimes I do feel like a fetish or fetishize, but I will say not all the time. It just really depends on their approach. Right. And that's how you will navigate it, depending on their approach with you. Right, right. So I read in the New York Times in an article that you were in, you said, um, as a black woman, I see my financial gains as reparations because the majority, if not all of my clients are white men. Can you mm-hmm. explain a bit about what you mean by reparations? So I've actually gotten a lot of pushback on that. On the Vice documentary recently that came out, I saw a lot of pushback on that because I think a lot of people just weren't uh. trying to understand what I was trying to say. So basically, if 99% of my clients are white men and they're paying me money for being this black woman they want to worship, for being this entity that's so powerful, I see it as reparations, right? So black people as a community, we're always saying like our reparations are due, like the like America owes us so much, rightfully so, they do. And within my clients, me getting that money from them is my form of reparations because they are the money they they're sending me is not only going to me, but going to other people within my community to help them. Right. So say if a sub gives me five hundred dollars and I use that five hundred dollars to help my mom pay for something, I just helped a community further. I'm, I'm, I'm basically dispersing the money amongst my people. So to me, that's reparations. It's not just, oh, they send me money so I can buy this. bag. It's like, no, they send me money so I can put it into my business that is going to help black people. So that's how I see it. Yeah, I totally get that. And I think it's absolutely the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. I also think with this financial aspect, do you see it as sort of the same as other sub-dom dynamics? Or do you think there's something different about the financial aspect to fin-doming? I think the financial aspect with this is different because it's solely financial and financial domination. Mm -hmm. So it's not something where they're paying me amount of money and then I'm going to whip them. I'm going to tie them up in exchange. Like again, a service It's like, they're literally just paying me to exist. And you know, on financial domination, you can have a sub send you money and you ignore them the rest of the day and don't talk to them. And they're like, fine with that. Like they love that. So I think it's different because in the sense of a dom sub dynamic, the typical one that people see, it's more of TPE or total power exchange. It's like, 
you know, you're here at my beck and call. If I need you to come and rub my feet in the park, you're going to come. If I need you to clean my apartment, you're going to come. If I need to kick you in the balls or spank you or slap you or just have you relinquish all your power to me, you're going to come. Whereas with financial domination, it's when I'm online, we'll talk. And that's how it is. Your subs, I think you call them pay picks usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're they're really attracted to this idea of giving you money, of being humiliated by you. Why do you think that is? I think that a lot of my subs, from talking to them and, you know, them telling me what fields they work in, I think a lot of them are in power in their everyday lives. Mm. So they want to feel like they have no power at all. So being able to come to me and I'm taking all their power, it's like, oh, for once, I just feel lower than what I am. I'm used to being on top all day. Now I can be lower. And I think it's also just a thing of, feeling powerless or a thing of wanting to embarrass themselves, self-embarrassment. Like, uh, I just sent $500 to somebody way in this state that I don't know and will never meet and can ignore me. And I just did it like it was nothing. So for them, it's it's a form of them humiliating themselves too. It's crazy to think that, you know, as a white man particularly, that you have to go to this sort of length to feel powerless when so many of us, especially women, black women, feel that a lot in society anyway. Yeah, exactly. So you talk about a draining session, right? Mm -hmm. Could you explain what that is exactly and what happens? I guess it's different in all of them, but what it means? So a draining session is basically when you're draining a pay pig's wallet. So say I'm on Skype with a pay pig and he's like on his knees worshiping me. And every time he messes up or doesn't say, yes, mistress, he has to send me $50, whether it's through Cash App, OnlyFans, tips or tribute. It's a big amount of money in a small amount of time. So drains can last mm. from five to 20 minutes. And every time you feel like they do something wrong or just because, I can be like, why are you looking at me? Send me $50. And they'll just send and send and send. So that's what a draining is, a drain session. Oh, so it's quite quick, generally. It wouldn't be yes. over an hour, for example. Well, it, it could be depending on the, you know, the Dom and Subs you know, agreement. But for the most part, they're short sessions because the thing is you're trying to get them to send you these large amounts in a small amount of time because that humiliates them even more. Like, I just sent $500 in five minutes. I'm so weak. I can even last to to not send that much in a little bit of time, so. I love that. Yeah. So usually the men you, you, that send you money, usually they might be in really positions of power and high paid jobs. Do you sometimes have the feelings that people are also into that who don't earn that much? Uh, or maybe let's also talk about the issue of consent because mm-hmm. again, there's a lot of consent between you and the pay pick. So the thing with financial domination, it's all fantasy. Like a lot of stuff in BDSM anyway is fantasy. So you'll get subs that will come to you and be like, oh, mistress, if I send you this $50, that's it. I can't eat for the rest of the week. And then sometimes we know that that's like fake and it's role play. But then with the subs that we're not so sure about, that's when we make debt contracts. That's when you make a contract between you and the sub that says that they're going to spend this amount per week, per month, per whatever. If they don't send on time, this is what they have to send to make up for it. So it's an agreement between both the dom and sub that they sign so that they can be able to agree to that. And that all goes in with consent too. So it's a situation where you never want to Mm. feel like you're taking all the subs money and they're telling you to stop and you're not stopping. That's when it gets into really dangerous territory. That's the thing. I think people have some misconceptions about it because I Mm. imagine there's some Findoms doing this in the wrong way. And have you come across that? So we'll see it on Twitter. So one thing about the community is like when something happens, like you will like see about it. Like we're very open, like, oh, this sub 
Um, cause sometimes subs will buy stuff from your Amazon wish list, and before it gets to you, they'll cancel it and then you'll never get it. So they'll do like little fucked up shit like that. So we'll see like at so and so does this, don't you know, respond to him. At so and so call me this name or is being very um is like bullying me, don't like whatever. But we'll also see it with subs from Fendoms. Like this Fendom is not agreeing to my consent, is mm-hmm. you know saying that we're going to have a session and I pay her and she doesn't show up. So that stuff is important too. Like it happens on both sides, more so the subs being crazier than the doms, but you'll get those doms that are either new or maybe they have it messed up of what they think Fendom is. Um, and that's why it's so important to just learn and go in spaces where you can learn from other people. Yeah. Let's talk about that because you're not only active online on uh, Twitter and um, yeah, basically everywhere where you've built an amazing community, but you really also help other black dominatrices to find their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one thing that was important to me was building community. Because when I came into Fendom, all I really saw was white Fendoms. Mm. It wasn't a lot of black girls. There were times where I joined engagement groups, which engagement groups on Twitter are groups where other doms join to like help get each other's content out, retweet, like, and stuff like that. And I would join those groups and the doms, the white doms in there were just so rude and so mean. And if they felt like you were doing better content in them or getting more attention, they will kick you out of the group. There's times where I even would go to white doms that I saw had experience and be like, hey, like, are you willing to teach me? I'm willing to tip you for your time. And then they would just be like, I had to learn on my own. So you have to learn on your own. So wow. when I saw, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, there's no way I can let another potential black dom come up here and have to be alone. So that's when I started a group called Black Dom Sorority. And From there, we went on for about two years. We recently ended because of things with timing, but we're going to come back soon. But it's like you have to have those groups. And it's really important to me to just teach the basics, to teach everything I can teach, because the community is only better when we make each other better. Totally. And yeah, talk us through how Black Dom Sorority came about and what you guys did while you were operating. So Black Dom Sorority initially started out as a Facebook group where if you were interested in learning Fendom as a Black woman, you can request to join. It was a private group. But then I realized, okay, there are people in here sharing very personal things about their sex worker journey and Facebook links to real names. So I was like, let's not have that. So I said, let's move to an app called GroupMe. So from GroupMe, we had tons of members. I remember when I went viral, we went from like 30 members to over a thousand And it was to the point where it was just me running it. So I had my best friend who was at home coming with me. I had him come in and help me run it. So it got to the point where we were doing interviews with people that wanted to join only because the information was being so, like, you know, personal. It was personal stuff being shared in there. There was people saying they were sex workers and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, having their pictures up and stuff. So from there, we went to Discord and we got a little smaller. And we had people in all 50 states and we even had people in London and South Africa, like we were international. And I started hiring like chapter leaders. So there's someone covering the Northeast, the West Coast, the South or whatever. And then throughout those two years, we traveled, we held brunches with each other. We held retreats. We had online classes. I bought and I brought in even other educators to come in and teach us on Zoom and so that they weren't always just hearing from me. And it, it was an amazing group. So It was something that was really important. And not only were we within ourselves, but we were doing stuff in the community. We did a toy drive for sex workers that have children that might need toys for the holidays. We did a backpack drive for sex workers with children, sending them off to school. Like, so it's so many different things that we did. And we really grew close at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, that's really cool. And was it just for doms? I'm guessing because it says, you know, dom sorority, but was it sex workers of all nature or was it just fin doming or all types of doms? 
So the main base to join is that you had to at least be a dominatrix, be practicing mm-hmm. being a dom or at least starting out. But you could also have other facets of sex work. So we also had strippers in there. We had some people that were escorts. We had people that were webcam girls, like things of that nature. So we celebrated all sex work. But the main theme was being a dom and BDSM. What I like so much about the work you do is that, you know, you say kind of fin doming is basically taking money and in return of nothing or of humiliation. But then we listen to you talking about all the work you do and all the work that is behind being a findom because mm-hmm. um, when I look at your Instagram on all the, you know, the media appearances you have, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It is. So, and kind of when you think of 2019, when you started out and then the pandemic and now, how has your life changed? I'll say that my life has definitely changed for the better. I'm definitely more financially sound. I can spoil myself in ways I never was able to. I'm able to speak up for myself more and just take charge in a lot of ways that I didn't take charge. So basically, I quit my nine to five January 2020, two months before the pandemic, to do doming full time. But I never thought the pandemic was going to come. So, you know, I had things planned, like doing tours and teaching in different states and cities. But then I couldn't because that all came to a halt. But that's when I started my online academy, Patreon, the Sex Academy. And I think from there, it's just really helped me become this businesswoman and this entrepreneur that I always wanted to be. Because my background is in fashion. I went to six years of fashion school, both undergrad and my master's degree, which now I'm starting my lingerie line. But it's like, you know, this oh, helped. Oh, wow. Wait, yes. you have to tell us more about that. <laughs> yeah, so I have a lingerie line uh, that just started in December, actually. It's called Pink Matrix. And I talk about it a lot on my Twitter and my Instagram But I mean, just even financial domination, helping me build my money up to put into that venture, you know, to be able to start that out because starting a business is a lot of money. So, you know, it's really just changed my life in ways of like people I've been able to meet, the confidence I've gotten within myself, me knowing what I will accept and not accept, um, me growing as a person, me learning the challenges within the sex worker community, because, you know, people see it from the outside and see the glitz and glam and the money we're making and the outfits and stuff like that. But they don't understand it's a very hard job. Even somebody like me that has this internet fame and is more on the side of, you know, doing these media stuff and all that or whatever, you know, people want to look at me as like, oh, she's like the Beyonce of BDSM or something like that. And it's just like, they don't understand the things I go through behind closed doors. Like to you guys and to the media and stuff, you see all these wonderful things, but then you still have these subs that are still rude to me, that still say things that still are just being assholes. So I'm not shielded from any of that because of my status within sex work. It's like I still get it bad, if not even worse. It's just having to deal with the different levels of sex work while still having all this attention on myself. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing because growing up all through high school, college, I was never one of those people that's just like, look at me. Everybody was just like, no, I'm here minding my business. So that's, you know, that's some challenges to overcome, too. But it's all worth it. Totally. And I think people will see you out there and proud and it will actually make more people feel comfortable to be open about their sex worker stages. But like you say, not everyone has that privilege of being out, right? Right, exactly. Exactly. You know, I'll have people like even after the Vice documentary, I had some women write me like, I feel so much more confident to do this work now. Like you've given me a voice or whatever. And that's really why I'm doing all of this. It's not me doing it to feel like, oh, I'm so important. Look at me and all these things. It's it's me to be like, who can I reach? You know, whose life can I change? Who can I make feel more confident and powerful? So Right. We were talking about, um, you know, lots of people leaving their jobs after the pandemic, realizing nine to five, not for everyone. You can make yeah. a lot more money doing other things. Do you see fin doming 
becoming maybe even saturated people looking at you going well I'll do that it seems easy but actually there's so much more work to it oh definitely I mean as humans we see anything we think like you know well let me jump on it let me do it I mean you know I might I went to a burlesque show last night and I'm like I'm gonna do burlesque and it's like (laughs) you have to take the steps to do burlesque like it's not you're just gonna jump into it or whatever and I get a lot of those comments and you'll see like Dom say like it's so saturated now everyone's trying to do it but I'm like everyone might be trying to do it but everybody can't successfully do it everybody Mm. can't stick to their guns because I think where the problem's coming in is you have these vanilla people that have never done BDSM in their life. They might see their video, my videos or other videos come onto Twitter and think that day they're going to make thousands of dollars in one day. In sex work period, I say this all the time, only the strong will survive. Absolutely. (laughs) Only because they don't understand it's not just posting the content. You got to deal with annoying clients. You got to deal with this. You got to deal with that. You got to make profiles. You got to deal with maybe your Instagram getting shut down, people trying to censor you. Like, it's so much stuff. So people can feel like it's going to be oversaturated, but I also feel like, like I said, only the strong will survive. Only the people yeah. that are really dedicated and really want to learn the art will stick around. I mean, you said that before that some of the, some people are real assholes. And mm-hmm. I mean, we know the internet is such, such a toxic place. So how do you deal with that? How do you stay sane exposing yourself so much? Um, Honestly, just growing up all through my life, I've never really cared what anyone had to say about me unless it was a family member, someone whose opinion I really mm-hmm. honor. So to me, when I see things, even when I went viral, even with the Vice thing, you see all these comments of, oh, she looks dumb. She looks weird. Why is she doing this? I just keep going about my life. It's not even something that I think about or lose sleep over. It's more so me looking at them as like, you have to be so miserable to type something and have multiple times to backspace and you still sent it. So to me, that's just how I see it. It's like, okay, that person is miserable. They'll go to sleep and still wake up miserable. I'll go to sleep and still wake up an amazing person that's loved by so many people and um, that really loves myself. So I think it it really comes down to self-esteem. And that's why I say like when it comes to sex work and people thinking they can just jump into it, you really have to have some level of self-esteem, confidence, and, um, you know, the ability to ignore Honestly, like my block list on Twitter is crazy. Like it might be over 5,000 people now. <laughs> like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Twitter is one of the worst sometimes people have. It on is. Here, right? It's it's the absolute worst. Oh. Oh. Could you walk us through, is that like a typical day in your life, how you work as a fandom or is every day totally different? Every day is different in sex work period. So it's like. Yesterday, I could look at my schedule and be like, okay, I know this is coming up this week. And then today I'll get a client book me and now that changes my schedule or whatever. So I want to say like, if I had a typical day today, it would be waking up. First thing I check is Twitter because I don't know what messages I might have up there from subs, wanting to serve. And then from there, I might check my email. You'll have subs that want to book a session with you because now next week I'm opening my first dungeon in Brooklyn. So that's like, yeah. Oh, wow. Tell us about that. He's like, so many things. Um, So, yeah, it's like, um, you know, I'll get subs that want to book me there. So basically myself and my two other close doms I work with, Goddess Bree and Goddess Rue, we decided to open our own dungeon space because we were finding that in the city, there's a lot of dungeons that operate on passive aggressiveness or, you know, sometimes you can feel that racism a little bit. So we wanted our own space where like sex workers could come and not only just do sessions, like if they want to record content or maybe they have a Skype show they need to do, but they can't do it because they live with family members. They can come rent out our place to come do it there, you know, different things of that nature. So just really opening the space, it just feels good to know that I can just go in my dungeon whenever I don't have to hit up anyone and try to book. And they're like, oh, this day is not available and stuff like that. So, you know, 
that's like a typical week. Like I have subs now. They see I'm opening my own dungeon. Oh, I want to come. I want to come. Can I book a session with you goddess? I want to like whatever. So it's dealing with that. And then also like night flirt. So I might do a little bit of phone sex operation. So within phone sex operation, there's still domination stuff up there. So you can get on the phone and just cut someone out or humiliate them. Um, So it's just different avenues of making money and just really going with your schedule as it comes. Like sex work to me is not really scheduled out. Like, Yes, like my media stuff, my interviews is scheduled out, which is perfectly fine. But it's like when it comes to my sex work, I can't say that this is going to happen at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or one o'clock. It's like it just comes as it comes. Yeah, absolutely. And do you enjoy the degrading side of domination? Oh, I love it. I really love it. Yeah. And I think what makes it even better is that like it's consensual. So we're both getting something from it. Like they're getting the feeling of being humiliated and degraded and loving it. And I get to degrade and humiliate them and I love it. So it's like, it's, it's cool. Cause it's like, I, you know, I'm from the South Southern sweetheart was never this mean growing up, but it's like, I have to get into this act, you know? And it's, it's yeah. really cool to switch over into that and just be really mean. I remember the first time I did it, I could not stop laughing on the inside. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and now is it like second nature? Yeah. Oh, it's second nature. Now it's just like, yeah. Just, I just go right into it. But before it was like, no, I don't want to tell them that they're stupid. Cause like, oh my God, maybe yeah. they're not stupid. Maybe they're not stupid. <laughs> I was just like, it was, it was a, it was a struggle to come over when I first started. Isn't that what they want though? To be told they're stupid? Yeah, they love it. But you know, like starting out, I was like, I feel weird saying this, but now it's like, I love it. I love saying it. I think this is really important for our listeners to understand that in the end, even though it might not seem like it, there's something in it for both parties involved. Yes. Because, yes. you know, from the outside, it looks like, okay, they give you money and you do nothing in return. But it really, it's really something that gets them off in the end. Yeah, it? it does. It does. It's mm. all like, people don't understand. So when people see what I do, I'm like, it's sex work. They're like, but you're not having sex. I'm like, all sex work is not having sex. I said, sometimes yeah. it can be a sexual mind fuck, um, a sexual power trip. So like you said, they're getting something from it. They're getting off. They're feeling sexually pleased in some way, whether I touch them or not. That's the thing. What's the reception been like within the BDSM community? Because I know that financial domination is sometimes a controversial subject. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that think there's scammers out there wanting to just take people's money. Mm-hmm. Have you felt welcomed in the community or a bit shunned? I will say in the BDSM community, the OGs, the veterans, the the people that like the in-person domination, they do not take financial domination seriously at all. Right. At all. I mean, it's even to the point where when I first started out, I would go on Fat Life and make ads and the comments on my ads would be like, scammer, fake, you're trying to do this. You're not real, like dominatrix yeah. and stuff like that. So for a lot of people that just do femdom and the, and the typical, you know, dom-sub dynamic, they look at financial domination as a joke, as like it still doesn't make sense to them or it's stupid or it doesn't exist. Like it's, we, financial dominations get like, fin doms get a lot of pushback. Yeah. Can I just say something here? Yes. That's a boomer mindset because in the end, it's something that was mainly kind of, I think it has grown so much because of the internet financial dominations. And it's mainly people who don't understand how the internet works, how people like to live their sexuality. And that's why they condone sex work. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a boomer mindset because even if you look at, you know, so many doms are coming out young and doing stuff now, we'll see the older doms tweet and say little stuff like, this isn't right, this shouldn't be happening, everyone's a dom now. Because, you know, BDSM, 
back in the day was more so you call a hotline or a number to get in touch with a mistress or or a dominatrix. It wasn't something where I can just go on the internet and just book and see what they're doing. Now it's like on the internet and it's like now subs don't have to worry about calling a number. They can just go right online, see somebody they like. They can they can have a new dom every day if they wanted to because it's so many of us. Exactly. But and they, can, my, they can get a lot of references also. Yeah. And I think that's where gatekeeping comes in because there's so many, you know, black doms that come in and couldn't learn from anyone. And I'm like, why is it like, why does it seem like I'm the only teacher out here? Like, where is everybody else? Why isn't everyone else teaching that's older than me or whatever? And that goes to show I, I didn't have anyone I could learn from because it's such an industry that people gatekeep. People don't want to let other people into and it sucks but i think it's i think it's changing because a lot more people are coming out with kink there's more kinky events being posted now during the pandemic there was a lot of online kink classes from learning how to do your taxes as a sex worker to <laughs> learning how to like rope play and fire play so i think it's like it's it's getting out there it's just taking a while but you still have those older the older generation that's still upset about it but it's like what can you do you know yeah, and absolutely. I think it's like with everything, because the internet has made everything so readily available, mm-hmm. you get the bad stuff and the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And they might just see the people doing it badly or for the wrong intentions and just shun everyone instead of actually opening the community to all who want to dominate. Right. So you're doing loads of things at the moment. You're online, very active. You are a pro dom in real life. You're building a dungeon. I saw you have an event that's called Goddess Brunch. Yes. Is there a dream? Is there some, still something left that you say, oh, I would love to do that? Maybe the burlesque. I don't know. <laughs> That's the next thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we just talked about that. <laughs> I'm like, I think some people always ask me, like, how long do you think you're going to be doing this? I'm like, hmm. I think I would stop doming, like, before age 50. But as in teaching, I think I would always be a teacher. I'll always be a mentor, you know. But it's just me trying to set myself up to really live the life I've always envisioned and dreamed. So it's just going along the way you never know what's going to happen like with this dungeon it wasn't something that was always planned it was just something that came up and I was like sure why not and even the lingerie line I was like sure why not so I'm one of those people that it's just like the sky's the limit everything doesn't have to be planned but you know the universe will put you where you need to be and that's just mm-hmm. how I see it yeah and you're getting paid right yeah so that's the good thing about it <laughs> yeah that's a good point is it just cash tributes or do you get other kind of tributes maybe like you know holidays paid for or someone painting your nails. I'm, I'm spitballing here. But is it usually cash? <laughs> no, there's so many things. So there's cash tributes. There's the online tributes. There's trips being paid for. Like my whole trip to Tulum for my birthday last year was paid for completely for me and all my friends by sub. There's oh. Amazon wish list buys. I remember when I moved from one apartment to another here in New York, I had the sub come pack up my whole apartment. Like it's different types of services that you can have subs where I can have subs do my laundry if I want them to. But, you know, there's some things where I'm, I keep things personal because there's some things that I still want to keep for myself and keep very vanilla yeah. and, you know, whatever. But there's so many different acts of services that subs are willing to just throw themselves at you about, you know. So, like, even for the dungeon, we're going to have a sub that comes in and cleans weekly so we don't have to do it. I mean, it's just great. Yeah. yeah there's so many things. So um, is there some advice you'd give uh, a new dom starting out or somebody who's just generally thinking of it and and not sure what to do? My advice would be look at this as like a journey. Don't look at it as like a race to the finish to to beat someone else. Um, Also, don't compare yourself to what other doms are doing because comparison to me is the thief of joy. I always say that. So if you're online consistently saying oh, they have all this content and I have nothing. Okay, while you were complaining about that, you could have been making your content. So Mm. it's just like, 
you have to sort of look at it in a sense of your journey is specific to you. Everybody started out differently. I didn't start out making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I made mistakes. There were times where I would do a session and forget to get the deposit. So the sub just got a free session. Like those are mistakes I made in the beginning. So I would say, don't compare yourself. Don't look at it as like a race to the finish and also find community. There's so many communities now that are open and, and freely advertised and public. So it's like join a community so you don't feel alone in what you're doing because you know, no question is a stupid question. So even if you don't, I tell people, even if you don't join my community, there's people that come to me and I'm like, look at it as a college. You just don't learn from one professor. If you feel like I'm not teaching you something, I can recommend you somebody that will, and I'll be perfectly fine with that. I don't look at it as a competition with other educators or anything like that. So yeah, you're all helping each other, right? Because exactly. one bad dom ruins it for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that might be everything from us. Is there anything that we haven't touched on you want to tell us or do you want to tell people where to find you? So I'll tell people where to find me because I think we touched base on a lot of good stuff. This is a great interview, by the way. Um, I really enjoy it. (laughs) Yes. Um, So you guys can find me. I'm mostly on Twitter. So Twitter slash eyes on fire. That's E-Y-E-S-X on fire. That's where you can see all my content that Instagram doesn't allow. That's where you can see all the updates on events, things happening as they're happening. I'm also on Instagram. I'll give it out, even though this is like my 10th Instagram in one year. I keep getting deleted. So yeah, us too. Don't worry. So the Instagram is Marley Mistress, but but it's M-A-R-L-E-E Mistress. So Marley with two E's. Mm -hmm. And then I'm on YouTube.com slash the chocolate dom d-o-m-m-e and if you are a sub listening and want to serve my website is servemistressmarley.com and from there you can learn all my protocol of how to book me amazing then you covered it all (laughs) thank you thank you so much well thank you so much for coming on we'll be keeping track of your work um Um, keeping following you and good luck with the dungeon and the tributes and the holidays and the the long-term career uh it's great to speak to you it was really amazing talking to you really all all the best to you thank you so much this was an amazing interview thank you thank you thank you bye Bye. Bye. wow that was mistress marley and financial domination what what are you thinking I don't know if you noticed, I'm sure you did actually, I was so nervous during the first bit of the interview that I didn't speak for the first five minutes. I let Anna ask all, I let you ask all the questions. You might also notice that Greg was absolutely starstruck with uh, Mistress Marley and is thinking about changing careers right now, I imagine. I'm thinking about changing careers, I do really kind of... um, Honestly, that's that's something we've been talking quite a lot. That nine to five, uh, kind of this constant routine, it's draining. It's really. Yeah. But I imagine sex work's draining in a different way as well, because yeah. at least some people will go to work. They know what's going to happen in that day, whereas Mr. Smiley can actually come up against subs who are really rude, even racist, so that it's not like as easy as everyone thinks, even though it does sound great for people mm. to just wire you money for whatever you want. I mean, that's what she says, no, that each day is completely different. And that's, of course, sometimes it's really amazing, but um, of course, it's also stressful. I'm also excited about her dungeon. And when we're in New York, we've got to go and party with her. I'm really excited. Yeah, we should, we should, we should go there. Yeah. Well, let us know your thoughts about the episode and financial domination on Instagram because we're really keen to hear if this changed anyone's mind, if they have any reservations, if they really disagreed. Reach out to us at Spanky Next Podcast on Instagram. Yeah, we would really like to hear from you. 
We'll be back in March, 8th of March, with a very special episode in honor of International Women's Day. Not to be missed. Yeah, so we'll see you in March. And until then, keep it kinky. Keep it kinky. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to Spanky Next on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Spanky Next Podcast. If you're looking to connect with people who share your kinks, sign up to fetish.com for free or download the FET app from Google Play and the App Store. And for anyone looking to deepen their knowledge of kink, head to the BDSM training school on fetish.com and enroll in a course now. And last but not least, shout out to our producer Tim Smith. 